Welcome to the H&H Hour podcast. My name is Heidi Bolt. I'm sitting here with my sister and co-host, Heather Taves. Hi, Heather. Hi. We're always sitting by each other. We always Every time. Always I love that are. we say that. We're always like, I'm sitting by yes. my sister and co-host, Heidi Bolt. Well, just in case they're a first-time listener, they might not know that we're sisters and co-hosts. Right. But I was thinking that sometimes there might come a time when we actually have to record not sitting by each other. That's true. So then we won't say that anymore. That would be sad. Yeah, that would be sad. So our our regular listeners would pick up on that change. That's so true. Hey, if you're new to the show, we want to say welcome. We really believe that this hour is going to impact you. And we're excited to share the guests that we have with you. I think this is going to be important for your family. Mm -hmm. Um, But the point of this show is we really believe that your ordinary life is an extraordinary gift from God. Yes. And that if you're viewing it through the lens that God wants you to be viewing it through, that you're going to see it as extraordinary. Yeah, that's right. And I know, Heather, for you and I, as we've podcasted this show, we have seen that in our own lives, Mm -hmm. haven't we? Yeah. Where our ordinary life really starts to stand out as, hey, this is God's call on my life. And it's those small things that we do every single day, the smallest things that end up being the biggest and most important things in life. Yeah, it really is. And I think you start to see it through a lens where you see um, the Lord's hand in the little things in your life and not just the big things. I think it's really easy to see the Lord in the big moments, right? The bush on fire or the, you know, the the big answers to prayers. But those little things, like for instance, just today, we homeschool our kids, both mm-hmm. of us, and we had been watching this series of like famous people, right? Yeah. And so uh, we watched one kind of randomly watched one and it was about Marie Antoinette mm-hmm. and it was fun and we watched it. Well, then we flipped to our world history book and the whole chapter was on Marie Antoinette. That is so cool. And you know, I think some people might just be like, well, that was a coincidence, but to us, and we talked about this, my kids and I talked about this. That's the Lord. Like yeah. that's him directing our steps and lining our steps up. Um, in those little ways that I couldn't plan all of that perfectly, but he can when we trust him and when we see that as extraordinary things in our life that he does for us. I love that so much. We, I really believe that God's in the details of our lives. Yeah. In, in the big things, the big, huge decisions like right. what is my career path? How many kids am I going to have? Who am I going to marry? And the really small things that impact our daily lives like studying someone in history and seeing it on the show. That's right. incredible. Yeah. yeah. I love that he does that. Yep. Me too. Okay. So guys, we are excited to um, in- introduce you to our guest today. We Sometimes Heather and I chat. Those are called chats. Mm-hmm. And we just have conversations about what God's doing in our lives. And then other shows, we invite incredible, ordinary people. Yes. And you know, the interesting thing is, Heather, um, you know, some podcasts try to get famous people that people are going to be really wowed by, yeah. by their name yeah, or their which accomplishment. Yeah, which is fine. It's awesome that people do that. Yeah. And our goal is to really um, seek out people who are kind of living their ordinary life yeah. in a really extraordinary way. Yes. And let them tell their story. Yes. So this particular guest, I happened upon her on Instagram. And I can't even remember the friend, but I commented on a friend's post and she had commented right above my comment. So you know how you see each other's comments? Yeah. yeah. And for whatever reason, the way she commented, it caught my attention. Um, I think I, I should have written it down, but she was just very positive and very uplifting and encouraging. Awesome. And I loved that. Yeah. It just caught my attention. Yeah. And so I, I clicked on her profile and I was drawn to um, 
who she was as a person, but also what she does. Oh, that's so cool. And so I would love to welcome to the podcast, April Whiting. Welcome to the H&H Hour. Thank you so much, girls. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're happy to connect with you. We were we were um, teasing with you earlier. You were telling us that you sound like a man today. What's up with that? <laughs> yes, I am currently getting over a cold. And my voice is the last thing to come back. So <laughs> it's... It's a little low and raspy today, but... That's okay. Heather said the low tones are easier to edit, so... You'll... Yes, I am just here to help you out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, hey, before we jump into some of the deeper stuff, April, um, fill us in on your life. You bet. I would love to. So my name is April Whiting. I am 35, which used to sound really old, and now... I feel like I'm really young. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am married to my Idaho farm boy. We have been married 13 years, and we have four precious boys. I'm a proud boy mom. <laughs> and so there is lots of Nerf gun battles and wrestling happening in my home 24-7. Um I was born and raised in a small town in Arizona, and I am still here in the mountains of Arizona. Um, many people are surprised to hear that Arizona is not all desert. Yeah. I live in the pine trees. It snows quite a bit in the winter. In fact, we are supposed to get about two feet of snow tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> yes, so we are preparing for that. So, um, my hobbies, I'm a country girl, I guess you could say. I love the outdoors. I grew up camping and fishing and hiking, and I love to be in nature and feel my most self in nature. Mm. Um, I love music. I play the guitar. I love a good book. I <laughs> you are well rounded. Yeah, I I try to be. That's so good. <laughs> okay, April. So we ask all of our guests this question because Heidi and I are just determined that we are going to have more fun in our lives. <laughs> so we want to know from you what is the most fun that you've had recently. The most fun I have had recently is probably I got to have a girls' night with my best friend, Aww. which is a big deal when, as you girls know, when you have lots of kids that need your attention. Yes. So I actually went to her house. We sat on her bed and watched a chick flick and just laughed like we were teenage girls again. Oh, I love that. And it was, you know, it's so simple, but it was so much fun so good for the soul yeah just to not have to worry about anyone but yourself for a few hours is okay sometimes mm -hmm. I think that's okay so do you have a hard time finding time for yourself like for self-care and for your own space is that difficult in your world or is it just me absolutely it is the hardest balance it has taken me so many years to let go of the mom guilt yeah. of taking time for myself. Mm -hmm. um, 
for, gosh, I would say the first 10 years of being a mom, I thought that being a good mom meant giving up every ounce of my own happiness and just putting it all into my children. And eventually I depleted myself. One of my favorite quotes is you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. And I was empty. And so I couldn't give my children as much as I needed to because I almost had nothing left to give. So it is hard, but the last couple of years I have learned that it's absolutely necessary in order for me to show up as the best version of myself for Mm -hmm. my husband, for my children, as a friend, that it's absolutely needed. Yeah, that's so good. I think so many of us mamas need to hear that and remember that. And in every season, you know, I think when you have littles, the demand is so constant. And then you get into having, you know, middle schoolers and they're so busy. So you're just constantly running them around everywhere. That's And that's the stage I'm in right now. And I find myself just going, I feel like all I ever do is run my children around to their events. So I think in every stage, you really have to be mindful of that. So let me ask you this. How, with you being aware of this and and saying in the last couple of years, you've really, you've started to, you know, make this happen in your life. What does that look like with your husband? You have four boys. How do you make time for your husband in all of that? Right. So that is something that has taken a lot of trial and error, really. Um, He has learned that I show up better for him and for our children when I get time to fill my own cup. Mm -hmm. And then as far as him and I are concerned, finding time for each other, That is absolutely something that we made a priority early on in our marriage. Um, My parents have been married over 40 years, I believe, and they set a great example for that. Um, They absolutely had a date night once a week. Mm. We knew, we just knew that that was going to happen. And so my husband and I started that from day one, once a week. There was a date night, and um, early in our marriage, we were newlywed poor, (laughs) which is great and wonderful. So we didn't have kids. We didn't have to worry about that, but we also didn't have a lot of money. We were just starting out, and so some of my favorite memories of our date nights to a park where we packed sandwiches Mm -hmm. and sat on a blanket and just talked and laughed, and... You know, um, now it looks different having four children. Um, They range from ages 11 all the way down to my youngest just turned two. Mm. So we are in the trenches. We're Mm -hmm. in the thick of it. (laughs) And so if we're lucky, we have a babysitter Mm. or grandma and grandpa. Um, Some weeks our date night is putting the kids to bed and sitting and talking or Mm -hmm. watching our favorite movie, Mm -hmm. just carving out that time where we can just be us again, that we're not mom and dad. We are just 
us yeah. is so important to a marriage. Yeah, it's mm, good. So you guys obviously have a, a great example in your parents and their marriage. And so you obviously value marriage. What, as a boy mom, what would be some of your greatest hopes for the women that end up marrying your sons? Wow, that is such a powerful question. And being a boy mom, um, you know, whoever they choose to walk through life with, that person will be the door to my sons and my grandchildren. Yeah. So I hope that who they marry um, believes in family and the importance of family. Um, I hope that they have a strong sense of self Mm. that they have learned to love themselves and who they are so that they can love my sons correctly Mm. and well. It's so good. Yeah. And of course I hope that they love God and, um, reflect that in their lives. Mm, wow. I love that so much because I think we have such a lack of confidence in our culture today, um, in, in young men and in young women, but I think we see it even more prevalent in young women. And so mm-hmm. for you to have that, that desire for your son's wives, that's, that's really incredible. Yeah. 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 That's crazy to think that someday down the road, you're going to have eight kiddos, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It yeah. is. It's frightening and amazing all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You'll go from a boy mom to all of these all of these daughters too. Daughter in loves, we'll call them. Oh, I love that. I'm gonna write that down. I love that. We we implemented that in our family. We call all of our in our Marians in, in loves and it's so fun because mm-hmm. it just I That's think it so makes great. them feel valued and important. So I always thought Absolutely. I always thought in law kind of reminded me of like outlaw. <laughs> And that, it just doesn't doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy. Well, you know, a law is almost always something you're sort of forced to do. That's true. And so in law feels well, like you were forced to be in this family mm-hmm. and in this marriage. And so right. in love just that feels a little more so welcoming. True. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Okay, so I April, love I love your thoughts on marriage and kiddos. And um, like I said in the start of this podcast, when I ran across your profile, I actually knew that you love Jesus based on your comment, even though you didn't say anything about Jesus in the specific comment, but just the way you posed um, your feedback of this person's post, I thought, I bet this girl loves Jesus. And so I wondered, are you, do you try to be really intentional and purposeful about letting kind of that character of Jesus shine through you? Or was that just sort of like unintentional? Right. Well, first of all, thank you. That is one of the best compliments that I could ever receive. And I do try to be intentional. Um, I'm a quote girl. I just love quotes. So I Mm -hmm. refer back to quotes a lot, but I love the quote about that. um, People that don't know him, but know me, will want to know him because mm. they know me. Mm. Yes, I, I think there is so much power in that, that um, actions 
most of the time speak so much louder than words. And I definitely try every day to be intentional about letting the light of Christ shine through me. Mm -hmm. I think it's a powerful sermon that we can give each other in our daily lives. I love that. Well, you're doing a really good job of it because it's, you know, then I was drawn to your profile and just looking through, I feel like you, you can't always tell a lot about a person on their Instagram, but I felt like on yours, it was, you could just feel the love that you had for your kids and for your husband. And, um, that's why I was drawn to reach out to you. Cause I thought this is, this seems like an incredible woman who's kind of living her ordinary life, but she's just doing it in a really positive, uplifting mm-hmm. way. And so I was so glad to get to connect with you. I love meeting other women across this great nation and around the world who are, um, you know, just striving for for Jesus and what they what he's got for them. So well done, girl. I'm proud of you. Well, thank you so much. I am so grateful we connected. It's been a fun journey getting to know you and that's a wonderful compliment. So thank you. Very cool. Okay. So we're, um, we want to talk to you about the certification you have. So you are a certified social media consultant girl, fill us in. What does that even mean? (laughs) All right. So, um, I am actually a certified screen safety consultant. Okay. Um, which that's fine. I have actually been referred to as both and I am totally fine with both screen safety. So, um, yes, certified screen safety consultant because it encompasses so many things. I, um, have been trained. I learned about technology and what it is scientifically doing to our brains. Mm. Um, it is actually dumping the same amount of dopamine on our brains as a hit of cocaine. Hmm. And so um, being a certified screen safety consultant, I have learned the ins and outs of technology, um, social media, and the correlation between that and our mental health crisis that we are seeing Hmm in this nation, um, depression, anxiety, teen suicide, if there's a huge correlation between it all and, um, gaming and the addiction behind that in men and boys and sometimes women and girls as well. Mm. And so I travel the state and sometimes the country speaking to parents and youth about the dangers of too much screen time, of social media. And um, I go into schools and churches, and I am one of the first to be ringing the alarm in this. Um, The studies are just starting to come out, and we are just starting to learn the harmful effects that this is all having on our families. Mm -hmm. And I am just trying to educate people. And um, I always say that when we know better, we do better. And we just have not known until now. 
Can you share with us um, some of those statistics or some of those studies, what they're telling us? Absolutely. I would love to. So I live in Arizona. And in Arizona alone, since social media and heavy screen use came into play in about 2009 is when it really started taking off, there has been an 85% increase in teen suicide. One in three boys are being treated for ADD and ADHD. Mm. Our children's attention span is down to 12 seconds. I have talked to a lot of family doctors and they said, you know, 15, 20 years ago, their offices were filled with um, the flu and sicknesses, broken bones, things like that. And now their days are spent with kids who are depressed and having suicidal thoughts and they're having anxiety attacks. And um, it's just, there's such a correlation between the two. And like I said, the studies are just starting to come out and we're finding that all of these things that are giving us instant gratification are also overstimulating our brain's pleasure centers Mm -hmm. in the same way that cocaine does. Mm -hmm. And um, those pleasure centers are becoming less responsive Mm -hmm. and we're having a hard time finding joy in the simple things in life. Mm -hmm. It is um, addiction is up. Depression, anxiety, it's all taking such a toll on our mental health. So you and I talked before the show, and one thing you said, it really caught my attention because it's, if you watch people for two minutes in a social setting, you see that this is true. You said that screens equal not cultivating face-to-face relationships. So I want to know from you, why is this so devastating in our culture today, um, considering the way God wired us to connect to other people? Yes. So we have a God-given desire to connect. It's part of what God made inside of us. And these screens are taking away true connection. Mm -hmm. Um, Our children are having a hard time understanding facial expressions Mm -hmm. and they're losing empathy because um, they are doing all of their socializing online these days. And, you know, they can send out a mean tweet to a peer and they don't see the other side of that. Mm. Yeah the person that receives that message, they don't see it in their face. And so we're losing empathy in our kids and um, eye contact is a big thing. We are losing just simple eye contact with each other because um, we are spending too much time connecting online and not in real life. Hmm. So, what solutions do you give parents when you go in and you speak to them? Because, you know, I have some mm-hmm. friends that are just no screens, no, 
you know, no social media. And to me as a parent, I feel like that is a little overboard with the culture that we live in. Um, but I, from your professional opinion, what tips do you give parents for, you know, navigating all of this? Correct. Well, I agree with you. Technology and social media is here to stay. Mm -hmm. It's not going anywhere. And if we put our children in a bubble and completely block them off from any of it, and then they grow up and leave the home and then they're bombarded with all these things and they don't have the tools Mm -hmm. to self-govern themselves. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I teach parents incremental trust. Um, A lot of times I'm seeing parents who feel peer pressure from other parents or their kids are saying, well, my friend has a smartphone and I don't know when anybody's hanging out. And so these parents are handing smartphones over to their Mm 11-year-olds and they're basically handing over the keys to a sports car. And then they're surprised and upset when that child wrecks the sports car. Hmm. Um, It's the same thing with the World Wide Web. We have it. There's so many positive things that Mm -hmm. it's used for. And on the other side of that, there are some seriously dangerous things. It's you're handing over thousands of strangers that are now available to your child. And so I teach parents about incremental trust that we have to baby step. Um, I do not want parents handing a smartphone over to their 11 year olds or for instance, my nine year old went on a field trip a couple months ago. Um, it was just a 45 minute drive on the bus. One of the other nine-year-olds had a smartphone that their parents had given them, and he showed everyone on the bus pornography, Mm. which, um, as a mom, was devastating Mm -hmm. that my nine-year-old was exposed to that. But this is the world we're living in, and we have to have these hard and uncomfortable conversations. Mm -hmm. We just have to. So... It's important to have incremental trust. My oldest is 11. We started him out with, it's a phone watch. And he can, um, me and my husband, we programmed four numbers into that phone. Mm -hmm. He can only call those four numbers. Mm -hmm. There's no internet on it. And he's learning how to use that properly. He called his grandma at 1030 one night asking if they could go to lunch the next day. (laughs) And so we had to explain it's not okay to call grandma (laughs) that late at night and make plans for the next day. (laughs) And so he's learning. Mm -hmm. And then our next step will be a flip phone, Mm -hmm. which I am determined to bring back the flip phone (laughs) and convince people that it's cool. (laughs) (laughs) So that's, Um, the next step, he can have a flip phone and he can have a little bit more freedom of texting his friends. And, um, once we make sure that he's a decent human being (laughs) through text messaging (laughs) and 
and making making good choices that way, then a few year, years later, we can talk about um, a smartphone with apps and controls on it that keep him as safe as possible. But And it looks different for every family, but it's all about educating each other. And um, I get asked often, when should I give my child a phone? And I have a two-part answer for that. Um, my first answer is, well, let's talk about the watch phone and the flip phone. And um, if people ask me, when is it okay to give my child a smartphone? I tell them very bluntly, when are you ready for them to see pornography? Mm. Because they 100% will once they have access to things like Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of parents think that those are our safe apps Mm -hmm. and they don't realize that Instagram is full of pornography Mm -hmm. and there's no sensors to turn that off. Right. And so, um, you know, pornography can be a whole other (laughs) presentation that I talk about, Yeah. but it's all encompassed in this as well. So I teach parents that, and then, um, you know, these presentations, emotions run high because Mm -hmm. as parents, we just didn't know, we didn't know what this was doing to our kids. And so a lot of times parents come up to me after these presentations and, you know, they are just, their minds are just going a hundred miles an hour because there's been so much information. And I always end by saying, if you go home tonight and you only do one thing, let it be a central charging station Hmm. that at whatever time you decide as a family, all technology goes on that charging station, which should be in the parent's bedroom. So children have to walk past the parent to get to the central charging station. Mm -hmm. But at whatever time you decide, all technology goes on that charging station for the night Mm -hmm. so that our children, number one, are getting sleep. When you let your kids have these devices in their rooms, they are not sleeping. Mm. Um, There's apps that have come out where you can control when the device is turned off for the night, Mm -hmm. but our children have found ways around that. Mm -hmm. Um, I won't (laughs) say that out loud in case kids are listening. (laughs) I will not give that secret away, but it's actually very easy for them. Yeah. To get around that. And so the central charging station is so important. That way they get sleep. And a lot of times the bad choices that they're making are in the middle of the night Mm -hmm. with their devices in their room. Mm -hmm. So everything goes on a charging station for Mm -hmm. the night. And parents should have all of their children's usernames and passwords. Yeah. It's not... A matter of not trusting our children. It's the fact that we don't trust the millions of other people that are using these same apps. That's right. And so when things go on these central charging stations, that's when you're doing your safety checks, Mm -hmm. that you're making sure that your children are being safe, that they're not sending pictures of their body parts 
to their peers or they're not giving away personal information that could compromise their safety or the safety of the family. Um, I warn parents, you will see things you don't like. They Mm -hmm. might have texted their friend and called you a jerk Mm -hmm. and things like that. But you need to decide which mountains you're going to climb and Mm -hmm. which you're going to leave alone because we were all teenagers at one point. Yeah. But, um, that's a big one is having a central charging station and coming up with a data plan that you and your family decide on together that has rules that you come up with together that everyone signs and they know that if you break this contract that your phone will be taken away. But I also tell the parents, don't do the dance of you hand your child their phone and then they don't finish their chores. So you take the phone away Mm. and then you give the phone back and then they get, um, they talk back. So you take the phone away. So you're constantly, I trust you. I don't trust you. Mm. I trust you. I don't trust you. We call that the phone dance. And it's actually very harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, we want our kids to be able to come to us when they see something scary online. Yeah. If they see a friend who posted something about suicide or um, they see pornography or anything, you want to open those lines of communication so they feel safe coming to talk to you. And if you're doing the dance, they will not feel safe coming and talking to you. So, yes, there's things in the family data contract that are non-negotiables. And if they break that, then, yes, their phone is now taken away. But um, it's good. That's what the family data plan is good for because then you can refer back to it. See, you signed this and you broke this. This is why. I'm taking your phone. So there's um, so much that are, that we can be doing as parents. There's so many apps and resources available to us, but I always tell parents, you are your child's best app. Yeah. They can find ways around children. Our children are brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And they can find their way around almost any safety control Mm -hmm. that you put on your computer and phone. And so you really are your child's best app. Have those hard conversations that we just have to have this day and age. Mm -hmm. Open the lines of communications. Let them come to you. You are your child's best app. Wow, mm. April, I absolutely love those tips. They're so practical. Yeah, they're um, achievable. Yes, yes. I think for for any parent of any age of children, you have to really start this young, Heidi. It can't be something that I mean. Maybe you're not doing anything right now, and like April said, you start with one thing. You know, yeah. um, one of the tools that Heidi and I have both used with our kids, particularly when they were younger, but is the book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And that has been so helpful just in one, opening that line of communication in a age appropriate, 
um, scientific way mm -hmm. where you're, you're equipping them with knowledge, mm -hmm. um, and you're teaching them what it means and then giving them a plan of action. And obviously that looks a little bit different as your children get older. But I think if you have those conversations with them early on, this is particularly about if they see bad pictures, if they see pornography, mm -hmm. what's, what do they do with that? How do they handle um, it? Cause they're going to, like you said it, April, they're going to see it. Yeah. It's not if it's when. Yeah. Um, and so that's one tool that we've used that's been really effective for our families. Mm -hmm. Those are great tips, April. Yeah. So oh, here, I have a well, question um, specifically towards, I, I know every parent listening right now is picturing their littles, me included, who love to have time on our phones or their tablets if they have them. What What does that look like? How are you, you know, with your little ones, how are you drawing the lines, finding the balance? navigating media and technology with your little ones? Absolutely. That is such a good question <laughs> that we all struggle with. Mm -hmm. um, my husband and I still, we have to have the conversation often. It's not a one and done because yeah. things are constantly changing. And as they get older, um, some schools send out, their homework information across social media, which drives me crazy, but <laughs> it's a reality. Yeah. And so our goal is to lead technology and not let technology lead us. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is to just inform yourself to know what it does. If your children are spending excessive amounts of time, in front of screens, even if it's Minecraft, which people will argue is great for um, kids learning to build and using their minds, and absolutely it is, but it's also dumping that level of dopamine on their brain in the exact same way cocaine is. Mm -hmm. um, kids, kids YouTube, mm -hmm. it's great. It can keep your child quiet for a little while but it is as well dumping dopamine on their little brains mm. and it's hitting the pleasure centers of their brains and it's literally rewiring mm. their brains if it's used excessively. And yeah. so my, it's different for every family. In my family, it's a little more strict because this is what I do for a living sure. <laughs> and I see the effects that it can have. And so my kids get um, one hour of media on Wednesdays and they get on Saturdays, they get one hour in the morning and one hour in the afternoon. Okay. And that's all they get. And we actually went through a digital detox Um before this became my profession, I just didn't know. Mm -hmm. And when my children got home from school, they had free reign of technology, sadly. Mm -hmm. And um, there was a lot of behavior problems. I had one child that was a little addicted to technology. And when this was all brought to my attention, um, in a way, it was really upsetting to me. I understand where the emotion comes in these presentations when I see a mom 
just crying because you just don't know. And so we went through a digital detox in the same way that you would detox a drug addict. Mm. It cannot be cold turkey because it is acting in the same way that drugs do on our brains. And so we slowly took our kids down from a lot of hours of media to in two weeks time to zero. Mm. And then we spent three months technology free and it was absolutely hard at first. It's always easier to put a screen in front of your kids. I know I'm a mom of four. Sometimes I just want five minutes of not hearing mom, mom, mom. (laughs) And it's so much easier to give them a screen. Yeah. But we did that for three months. I bought a bunch of Legos, board games, art kits, and it was an absolutely sacred time in our little family and in our home. Um, my children flourished. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic. Our kids are craving to have us sit down with them without a phone in between us. Yeah and to connect. And so we did that. And then we slowly added technology back in because it, it's not going anywhere. And we have to teach our kids to be able to self govern themselves to an extent. They're still kids. And so that's what we as a family came back to. Um, I tell families that do what you can. It doesn't have to be extreme. When you decide on a plan, make sure that it is something that you 100% can follow through with. Mm -hmm. Whether that's your kids get one hour a day or 30 minutes a day, whatever that looks like for your family, sit down as a family and make it an achievable goal because it is possible. And, um, it's, it's all about, like I said before, when we know better, we do better and we just haven't known. Yeah. Yeah. And so now we're educating ourselves and now we can go and do better. Yeah. That's so good. So I think, um, you know, anyone listening, probably everyone would have to really start with yourself. Probably all of us parents have to start with ourself in our phone usage and our screen time. Um, talk to us a little bit about one thing you said on our phone conversation that I really loved. You said kids want to be seen, heard, and loved, and they are not getting this because of phones. Um, so talk to us about parents being addicted and how this is negatively affecting the family unit. Absolutely. I am so glad you brought that up because we as adults are a hundred percent addicted to our phones. Mm -hmm. It is not just our children. We are, we have learned there's something called secondhand screen time and it really is affecting our children's brain. Um, we are constantly giving our children continuous partial attention. Oh, yeah. And that is in babies, it is affecting their cognitive development. Wow. And I mean, it's literally hurting our children's brains mm-hmm. in harmful ways. So we as adults have got to get real with ourselves to take a step back 
and look at what our habits are with our phones and technology. These are absolutely amazing tools that can so very easily take over our lives without us even realizing it. Mm -hmm. And so the first step is to just have an honest conversation with yourself and to figure out what your habits are. Um, I highly recommend a media basket and everybody in the family puts media in the basket from 5.30 to 8.30 or whatever that looks like for your family. Mm -hmm. So when dad gets home from work and mom gets home and all the kids are home, the homework's done, you don't have a phone in between you and your child. You have, they're not looking at the back of your phone. They're looking into your eyes. They're being seen, heard, and loved. This is what our children absolutely need. Um, and we need it too. We need a break from technology just as much as our kids, you know, Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness to be still Mm -hmm. and to pray. And we're not giving our minds any time to be still. And, um, We absolutely 100% lead by example, so much more than our words. And so us as parents need to be able to learn balance Mm -hmm. with technology, which can absolutely be hard. I love to recommend eight hours a week fasting from technology. Mm -hmm. I once read a thing that said what we are not able to fast from for Mm. eight hours owns us. Mm. Don't, don't be owned. Yeah. Don't let technology own you. Mm. It's so good, April. I, wow. That's so convicting. I know a, a while back I got really convicted that, you know, we have these great apps on our phones and the Bible app. It's so amazing. And you can read plans on it and track what you're reading and all of that. But I got really convicted that my kids didn't know if I was on my phone that I was reading my Bible. They just thought I was on my phone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I went off of reading my Bible on my phone, except for, you know, sometimes I'll listen on the audio or whatever, but then they're hearing it too. And that's actually benefiting them. You're going to know. So I might track my reading on my phone, but I'm using my hardcover Bible mm-hmm. now in the mornings when I read because what I'm doing is showing my children that discipline of reading my Bible. And if I'm reading it on my phone, and I please hear me, I am not taking away from the awesome technology we have to have our Bible on our phones. I think that's amazing. Um, but right. for me as a parent, and it might look different down the road when my children are older and, you know, that discipline is in their lives as well. But my kids needed to see me reading my Bible, yeah, not holding my phone. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. I think that every single parent listening right now is having a tiny panic attack on the inside. Yeah. Thinking <laughs> of the things they need to change. Mm-hmm. But I, I think this is a good thing. This is a good conversation, April, because... Um, I think it's never too late to start today, right? you know, and I love that you're giving some doable steps, some practical steps that anybody could, could implement right today, right now. 
Um, you know, I love going back to your, your central charging station. I think that's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I would love to know from you, April, and I'm kind of springing this on you. We did not talk about this, but what do you and your husband, as far as your guys's, um, like, how do you make sure technology doesn't come in, in between you and your husband? When you guys have time alone and you're together, what are your kind of rules with each other of not letting it be screen time instead of each other? Or do you have rules? Um, absolutely. I am so glad that you asked that because that is something that I, I'm an open book. I will be a hundred percent honest that used to get in the way of our marriage technology would, you know, um, we'd put the kids to bed and we were exhausted and we would sit down and we would both find ourselves on our phones. Yeah. Um, that's how we would relax and, you know, zone out and numb out really because mm-hmm. technology really is a drug mm-hmm. and it's something that we didn't realize that we were doing, but we were, we'd be sitting next to each other, but we were both on our phones, not really connecting. Yeah. And, um, you know, it really pulls you away from your relationship. And so in my profession, I have been able to really open my eyes to that. And we have made an effort to do better at that. We decided it sounds kind of silly, but if one of us is spending too much time on our phone, we say pineapple <laughs> because, <laughs> because then we're not calling each other out in front of the kids or, Hey, pay attention to me. Yeah. Um, you're not paying enough attention to me. You know, we say pineapple. And it's like, oh, my bad. You're right. I was spending way too much time on my phone. Thanks for the reminder. Mm. And so we're absolutely still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we sit down and be like, yeah, we're getting bad at that again. We've Mm -hmm. got to be more mindful. And um, we do. We have a media basket in our living room. And when the kids go to bed, we'll take 10, 15 minutes to go through emails and DMs and whatever. And then the phones go back in the basket for a while and we have eye to eye contact and connection and focus on us because it is absolutely so easy to let technology come between our most important relationships. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. That's so good. Absolutely. It's so easy to let it get away from us. And there are some really neat apps that um, I use one, I think it's called Moments, where you can set um, goals for yourself to how much time you spend on your phone in Mm -hmm. a day. And it reminds you during the day, like, you've been on your phone for an hour and a half, you have such and such amount of time left. Mm -hmm. And so there are those things available to us as well. I think it's important to at least a couple times a month have a technology conversation with your family as a whole and have a technology conversation with your spouse Mm. and to make sure that you are governing yourself correctly because it's absolutely hard for adults as well. Mm. 
I stopped by my grandparents' house this morning, and my grandfather is 88 years old, and he is a retired pastor. Although when you're a pastor, you don't ever officially retire. You just um, aren't at the pulpit every week. Um, And we were talking and something was brought up about this podcast that we were going to be doing today. And I mentioned a podcast to him that we had last week about a couple that went through an abortion. And we were telling some stories about that. And he looked at me and he said, sweetheart, I am so proud of the generation I see in your age group. He said, you guys are tackling social issues that the people in my generation forgot to focus on. He said, we tended to be too focused on just inward, like inward focused on our little flock or our congregation. And he said, I think it's so important and vital that you guys are tackling some of these issues. And I was actually quite taken back by that comment because, you know, I think a lot of times we look at that older generation and we think that they think we're doing a terrible job. And really, he was like, I see you guys doing so much good for so many people in your age group. And I just, I wanted to encourage you, April, but then also those of us, those listening is just don't be overwhelmed by what you're seeing in society around you because there's still so much good. And there's still so much that we are implementing good change to. Um, So I think I want our listeners, Heather, to hear what April's saying Mm -hmm. and to take the tools she's given us Mm -hmm. and to don't be discouraged. Right. Don't listen to this podcast and feel like you are a complete failure as a mother. Don't curl up into a fetal position and cry your eyes out. That's right. Like (laughs) Lift your head up and do something. Yeah. Yeah. Take these tools and go, hey, this is a social issue that I can help positively affect change in, right? starting with your own self and right. then your own little family. So I just love that you're opening up this conversation, April. I think your job is so important. Um, and I think it's definitely, you know, Jesus talked a lot about letting the little children come to him and not forsaking them. And I love that you're reminding parents, like, actually do that. Mm-hmm. You know, let those children be right in front of you face to face. Don't let society and screens come in front of them. Um, So I love that you're actually fulfilling the gospel, April, in what you're teaching people and just bringing this awareness. I think it's so important. Well, thank you so much. I definitely feel called to this. Absolutely. And it can be overwhelming and it can be emotional because we really just have not known. Yeah. This has been pushed on us, and we thought that we were doing what was best for our children, and now we're learning, and it's okay. Like you said, you can start today. Mm -hmm. We can get in front of this. 100% we can. We just have to start educating ourselves and taking baby steps. It doesn't have to be a life-altering thing, just changing one or two things can impact our family's lives in such wonderful and positive ways. It's absolutely doable, 100%. Mm, That's so good. 
Well, thank you so much for all of that wisdom. I think it's going to help a lot of people take a hold of this. Okay, so one last question we have for you. We ask all of our guests this as their last question. Heidi and I just feel so strongly that um, we need to be aware of how we refresh. What causes us to take a step back and get our tank filled up, if you will? Um, and so we've started to ask each other that question and really sort of demand an answer from one another. Like, what are you doing to refresh? And so we want to know that from our guests. Mm -hmm. What do you do to refresh? That is such a great and important question. Um, my daily routine, I literally take a bubble bath every single night. Wow. <laughs> my husband just knows after the kids go to bed. I will see you in 20 minutes. It's my time to just sit in silence to talk to God or to go over my day. Um, it's just where I find honestly quiet. Yeah. And um, I do that every single day. Um, our water bill suffers a little bit. <laughs> But, but I think it's worth it. So um, I do that. I try to go get hot chocolate with friends once a week and just be April for, gosh, 45 minutes. Mm. Um, it's so easy to lose yourself in motherhood. Mm. And so those are my two go-tos bubble baths and hot chocolate with friends. It sounds so simple and so boring, but it helps me immensely. That's so good. And don't you think sometimes we make it too complicated? Like we think it has to be this big dramatic thing. And really it's just those little things. It's just the things that let us just be, be Heather, be April, be Heidi. You know, I love that. That's so good. Absolutely. It does not need to be anything complicated whatsoever. Um, sometimes if I can't get away, I'll put my kids in the car and turn on music and drive around and just take a few deep breaths. Um, sometimes you have to get creative when you're a mom in the trenches. But yeah. I think just being mindful of the fact that it really is okay to take care of yourself, to yeah. put your oxygen mask on first, as they say. It's so important. Yes, yes. My husband and I actually tell our kids that. We say, we'll be a better mom and dad if we go on this date or if we take time away. You will enjoy us more and we will enjoy you more. And I think just teaching our kids that too, that self-care is important. We all need it, no matter what stage of life we're in. Absolutely. Well, April, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. It has been, I think, very eye-opening for a lot of people. And I know so many people are just going to listen to this and be really encouraged to make some changes in their own families. So we appreciate it so much. You hang on the line and we're going to wrap up and then we'll come back to you, okay? Sounds great. Heather, I think that's such an important conversation. I think that it's uh, it's convicting to me. Yeah. And there's changes I want to make yeah, right away for my family. So good. Well, if you are listening and you want to reach out to April, you can reach her at April Nicole Whiting 
on Instagram and message her and she would be more than happy to take your DMs and answer your questions. Um, but also you can reach out to us. You can find us on Instagram. You can um, find us on email mm-hmm. or at the H&H hour at gmail.com or on Instagram at the H&H hour. Mm-hmm. And we will pray for you. Yeah. And we will, we'd love to hear from you. We yeah. absolutely love it. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening and we will talk to you next time.